Welcome to the Beyond the Sermon podcast. Over the next 20 minutes, our goal is to dig deeper into the themes and topics of the most recent Sunday teaching. We'll look to tackle some of the challenging kinds of questions that you may be thinking as you heard the message but didn't get the opportunity to ask the teacher at the time. This podcast works in conjunction with our weekly Beyond the Sermon devotional. If you don't receive those already, you can sign up using the link in our podcast show notes. So whatever you're doing right now, at the gym, driving, folding laundry, whatever it might be, we invite you to listen in as together we go Beyond the Sermon. Well, welcome everyone. My name is Will Heron. I'm the Director of Discipleship at The Ridge, and I'm also your host for Beyond the Sermon. And with me today, I have Ridge Lead Pastor Mike Van Rees. Mike, welcome. Yeah, thank you, Will. Good to have you. Uh, This past Sunday, we were remembering Palm Sunday, recognizing that um, time where Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And uh, Mike, we are entering into Holy Week and thinking about uh, Jesus' death and his resurrection. And uh, really, one of the, the themes of that is the miraculous. I mean, one of the greatest miracles and so I wanted to start here, because this is something you talked about in your sermon as well. Have you ever experienced anything that you would consider like miraculous in your life or the life of somebody else? Yeah, yes to both. Mm-hmm. My life, life of people that I've seen and experienced, Will, you're among those. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit about a miraculous story in your guys' life. Yes. Yeah, well, it, uh, just a, a number of years ago... Um, our youngest son, Jonah, when he was born, uh, had what they called an umbilical hernia. Uh, kind of unpleasant, but where the abdominal muscles kind of protrude through the belly button uh, as, as a baby. And so it kind of looked like he had a ping pong ball really on his abdomen where his belly button should have been. And so, you know, we're chatting with doctors and they're like, well, this is something that's either going to clear itself up in four or five years or um, he's going to need surgery for this. And so, it wasn't really the news that you wanted to hear um, about your newborn baby. And so uh, there was a, a pastor who was visiting our church. He was speaking at our church, and uh, he invited uh, people just to come forward and, uh, you know, for healing and, and things like that. And so went forward and with my wife, Bridget, and Jonah. And I, I, sa- I just said very simply to him, I explained what the situation was, and he responded in an equally simple manner of, okay, well, let's just pray. And, and I, I literally, Mike, all he said was, Lord, we just pray that uh, this this healing process will be sped up. And that was it. In Jesus' name, amen. And in a matter of weeks, the umbilical hernia healed, healed up, and it was, you know, he just returned to, to normal. And, uh, you know, we took him to our doctor and told him what had happened, believed that God had healed him, and and he was like, well, okay, uh, you know, well, let's keep it on this chart just for, for a little bit, and we'll see what happens. And and then about four weeks later, he was like, okay, we can take it off his chart. But uh, that's just one of many stories that I've heard um, or, you know, experienced myself in terms of the healing, miraculous healing. And so, Mike, as we, as we think about this week, um, before we even get, obviously, to, to Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday, we're on Palm Sunday, and this is Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Now, the interesting thing here is you've got this crowd, and they're celebrating Jesus. You know, they're they're waving palm branches, which is you know a symbol of like triumph and victory. They're saying Hosanna, which basically means like Lord save us. You know, so they're holding him in high esteem. They're praising him. 
seems like in a matter of days they're going to turn on him. That, spoiler alert. But <laughs> yes, Mike, what 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 is going to happen? You know, um, why such a drastic change? It's a good question as you look at the text in the Bible from from the Palm Sunday account. And two primary theories on that, Will, and they both have to do with the crowd. So it's Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, celebration, mm-hmm. palms. And then within 24 hours, you got a crowd of people that are saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify mm-hmm. him. The theories are based on, was that the same group of people? Or was it a different group of people? Mm. So two different paths. I think the one that would say it was two different groups of people would base their understanding of that incident on geography of ancient Jerusalem. Mm. So ancient Jerusalem, it was built on a hill. And so you got you know people living in the high part of the city and you got people living on the low part of the city. If you think about um, which one of those you think would have been higher socioeconomically, well, the way that it worked back then before there was indoor plumbing, sewage ran downhill. Mm. So that meant the wealthy people lived up on the hill. Mm. The less wealthy people lived down at the bottom. Right. You know, they're, they're smelling it. with it. So that is how Jerusalem was really set up. The understanding, Jesus, when he came in with the palms and the branches and that whole deal, he came in the lower part of Jerusalem. Mm. And so he was greeted and celebrated by the poor people. Right. To say, well, then when what happened with the arrest and the trials, those took place in upper Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so then that would be, well, it's a, a different socioeconomic group. Now you got the wealthy people who the reality is they don't want to mess with the status quo. And, and Jesus is kind of pushing the edge on that one. Mm-hmm. So you got two different groups. Okay. He was embraced by one, not embraced by the other. Other theory, um, which is very plausible as well, and you see this one woven through lots of different places within the scripture, mm. and that is in the time that Jesus was was there in Israel, specifically in Jerusalem, they were expecting a political messiah. Right, you know, and and was they were they were cheering. They were thinking, okay, this isn't just a guy who's going to go die on a cross for us. They're thinking, hey, this is a guy who's going to overthrow Rome, mm-hmm. and and we're going to have this national resurgence and become the nation that we once were. Right, they were expecting that when Jesus comes into the city and doesn't call people to arms and doesn't go after Rome and doesn't say, hey, I, I'm leading an overthrow of the Roman Empire. They turn on him because mm. he didn't meet their expectations. Mm. Yes. <clears throat> so, in terms of a takeaway uh, from that, Mike, say, say we go for the latter, you know, theory. It doesn't it show you in terms of how dangerous false ex- expectations of God can be. Uh, what are the warning signs for us there? You think, uh, in terms of a practical application for our own lives, I think one warning sign is to not even be aware of that because mm. realistically, will. We all have a little bit of that in us, right? You, you know, and to to be blind to that, I, I just think is untrue. It's false. The reality is, I have expectations of God, mm. and a lot of those expectations are, well, I want Him to do what I want. Mm-hmm. You know, I want Him to bless me. I want Him to protect me. And when those expectations aren't met, what happens? Um, right. That's like a daily thing. It's a weekly thing. We have these in smaller doses on a regular occurrence. And I think what it does is it really 
pushes us to say, how am I going to respond? When I get what I want, when God provides what I expect, well, slam dunk, right? I mean, we're, we're going to respond, thank you, God. You know, that, that's the stuff that will come out of us. But it's when we don't get what we want, mm. when the expectations aren't the way we would think that they should be, that's when we really say, do I have faith? Mm-hmm. That's when we're tested, um, this isn't the way I thought it was going to work out. This isn't what I would desire my life to be. Do I still trust that God's good? Mm-hmm. Do I still trust that God's got this? Do I still trust that God has a plan? So in those moments, I feel like each of those is an opportunity for us to say, my faith isn't just something in my head. My faith is something that is really integrated into this specific moment in my life. Yeah, and if there's something about expectations of having the right expectations uh, so much of that is down to communication you know clear communication when we feel like we um, there's been a miscommunication and a breakdown and the wrong expectations were set I feel like you could probably look back and see well we just weren't on the same page I guess you know so you see that in a human relationship and our relationship with God I feel like there's something similar there you know, there are ways for us to grow in relationship with God. That is the central um, the central piece of everybody's life is a relationship with God. Aside from everything else that is going on around you, you know, your life is defined by, by a relationship and getting to know him. And so you can see how that plays into having the right expectations of God, of who he is, and what he has promised and what he hasn't promised. And I think sometimes we can have the wrong expectations of God because we're getting them mixed up with what we want, you know? Certainly. When we bring our desires of what we want and and somehow manage to, to kind of fashion it in a way that, well, the text says that. So, you know, I mean, we see that all the time with really dodgy theology. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where you're just like, wow, like... You know, because that's how that's a recognition of how strong the human will is when it finds something that it wants to be able to look at scripture or something that God has said and say, Well, we're gonna fashion in that. So so I think it's I think it's just a good warning sign for us, Mike, uh, an awareness thing of of inviting the Holy Spirit and say, Oh Lord, open my eyes to where I have made just false expectations, put false conditions on you because we saw what these false expectations did for this group of people, that it ended up in just catastrophe, you know, for them. And um, no, I don't think we're going to probably end up in the same murderous rage as these people. <laughs> but does it mean that we can become disillusioned with God, disappointed with God unnecessarily? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Well, well said. Yeah, the expectations false, we're going to get a very different impression of God and what he's doing Mm. in the present. Yes. Um, Can we get back to the miraculous just for a second? Because I I think this is fascinating. You know, Mike, as we look in the Bible, as we look at Jesus' ministry, we look at the resurrection and we think, um, you know, part of being a disciple is having an expectation of the miraculous. We serve a God who is able to do the impossible. We see that in the Bible. And we also see a God who is good. And so I think we should always be, and I think you would agree, we should always be willing to ask the Lord to intervene in miraculous ways. Yep. But the thing is sometimes that sometimes when we experience something where we've asked the Lord and we think, surely this is your will, and we didn't see it, we didn't see that miracle, whether it's a job or something with health. or So how do you kind of 
pastor people through that? How do you navigate that and so that it doesn't allow that kind of flame of faith to get, you know, blown out essentially? A, a no is so much harder to accept than a mm. yes um, when we don't get what we desire. Uh, so those things, they, they do happen in life. And I think that one of the most important things that God invites us to do is be honest about it. Mm. And that's unique. We don't see that in, you know, religion across the board. Most religions, you know, are going to be like, hey, that's a deity, respect them, honor them. Christianity alone invites us to be open and honest with our emotions to God. This mm. concept of a lament, mm-hmm. uh, just being honest and saying, God, here, here's what that's doing inside of me, is so unique. There would be laments in different contexts, but not so much in the context of you can have a lament with the deity, mm. with God. And that is such an amazing opportunity to say, I care. I want you to have the freedom to to let me know that that hurts. Let me know that that's disappointing. Mm. might not change the outcome, but what it changes is it changes our relationship. It, it changes our perspective. We're in, there, in the midst of it. So by all means, it's not just uh, take the hit, suck it up, and move on. Mm. But we miss a real opportunity to connect deeply with God when we don't name it and go there and, and just express honest feelings with him. Right. I think there's also that awareness of, I mean, speaking of things that we see in Scripture, you know, God's goodness, God's ability to to do the impossible, but we also see his miraculous power. We see his goodness and we see his power at work in the valley as much as the mountaintop, you know. And again, it's not to diminish those experiences in our lives. It can be so... Uh, so painful and challenging, and there's questions, and we have that space to lament. But there's also this hope, uh, and we see it time and time again in the Bible, of God working good out of the most difficult things. And as we approach Good Friday um, in a few days here, we I mean, it's one of the reasons why we call it Good Friday. You know? it's, it seems a bit of a, a strange thing to say, but there's a, there's a recognition there that actually what God was doing behind the darkest act in history of people murdering the Son of God, uh, that there, God was working an ultimate good and a victory actually out of that. Even though at the time you look back and you think, for the disciples, I mean, it was just the end of the world, you know? How could anything possibly good? And yet there was something eternally uh, majestic happening there. Right. If God could bring good out of that, he can bring good out of anything. Right. So, Mike, as we as we uh, enter into Holy Week, um, as we look ahead to Good Friday, Easter Sunday, do you have any just guidance for us as we walk through this week? Yeah, you know, I th- the, the meaning, the depth, the experience that we have on Easter together, looking forward to it, love that celebration. I think it, it's just much more meaningful when we have walked with Jesus through the whole week mm. and, and on an individual, on a personal basis. So what that would look like for me and what I'd encourage people to do I'm going to take the Gospel of Luke. You can take any of them. Mm. And in, in Luke, it's chapter 22 and 23. And I'll just take a couple passages each day. And for me, I'll start that in the morning, take mm. a couple of passages, read through them, 
and just sit in quiet and reflect on that. Mm-hmm. And then my hope is that I carry those thoughts with me throughout that day mm-hmm. and the next day and the next day so that this week, we got a lot of other stuff. You know, life goes on. We have things that happen. But to have that in our hearts and in our minds and to be understanding what Jesus did and what he went through and what this week represents, I think when we're walking mentally and spiritually through these passages showing what happened this week for Jesus— it just comes to life. It will come to life in the Good Friday service, and it will come to life when we gather together to celebrate the resurrection at Easter. Mm, love that. Well, looking forward to see that and getting to remember and to celebrate together as a, a church family. So thank you, Mike, again for your time. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, before we go, I'd like to, again, just quickly highlight a couple of upcoming opportunities. Uh, Sunday, May 1st, right after second service, going to be with uh, Ridge U teacher Travis Shelton. We're going to be thinking about stewardship in our lives. Just a really important thing. What do we do with everything that God has given us? And then uh, secondly, on May 9th evening, online, going to be with Ridge U teacher Vivian Kincaid. And man, really looking forward to just having this conversation about what it means to talk with God, what it means to hear from him. So you want any more information on that, jump on our Ridgeview page on our church website. You can register for those events there. So thanks for joining again. We hope you'll join us next time on Beyond the Sermon. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week. I want to mention one last thing before we go. Our heart at the Ridge is to help people grow in their relationship with God. There are so many ways to get connected into what can be life-changing environments for you and your family. The best way to keep in touch with all that is happening is through our website, ridgelife.org, but also through our weekly e-news. You can sign up to receive this directly to your inbox using the link in our podcast show notes. Finally, thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please feel free to share with friends or family. We hope to catch you next time on Beyond the Sermon.